0: blessed hallelujah well, amen. good morning to everybody I hope everybody's glad to be here this morning um, as I begin this morning I just want to kind of continue what I was what I was sharing last week and um, you know in, in our in our nation and even in our world we think of people that have been uh, influential you know men and women that have been, uh, been an inf- influential um, in, our, in our time. And we think of people like George Washington, uh, Abraham Lincoln, Albert Einstein, uh, Thomas Edison, um, these, these mighty giants. And you know, um, uh, in the more modern terms, people like Bill Gates and Steve Jobs. Um, these men and women have triumphed on battlefields. They have overcome insurmountable odds. They were innovative, creative inventors. They were courageous and brave. You know, and they, they, deserve, they deserve honor, they, they deserve recognition for what they've accomplished and for what they've done. But no matter how great a man or a woman is or what they've invented, what they've accomplished, what they've done, there's no one can compare to Jesus Christ. No, no man, no, no woman can compare to Jesus. So can anyone who has lived, living now or yet to live, claim the following exchanged the majesty of a king to become an ordinary man, came to a place, knowing when he arrived, he would be rejected. The Bible says he was despised and rejected. Though he was God, he learned obedience. He willingly gave himself up to suffer and die, took upon himself the sin of the world, though he was perfect, so perfect he knew no sin, yet became sin to save a lost world. He died in your place so you might be free, that in him you will live forever. No one can compare to the name of Jesus. There's no man, no woman who has ever lived that that is greater than the name of Jesus. And, you know, Jesus wasn't great because he was a good teacher, because he raised the dead, because he healed the sick. Jesus was great because he was willing to humble himself, to become a man, the Bible says, and to suffer and to die that you and I might have life and life everlasting. So I'm continuing this series I started last week that Jesus is the greatest of all time. This would be the second part. And, you know, traditionally this Sunday is um, is Palm Sunday, the Sunday where Jesus rode, in, rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. And if you remember, the Bible says that the people there, they, they laid palm branches at the feet of Jesus. And the Bible says that they sang Hosanna. Hosanna to the God who reigns to the to the, to the God in, on high, and uh, but just a week just less than a week later, the Bible says that the crowd was shouting, "Crucify Jesus." Now the Bible doesn't say it was the same crowd or the same people, but it is interesting to see the, the change that took place in just less less than a week. But but Jesus is the greatest of all time. Philippians chapter two says, though he was God. He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. So as we approach uh, Easter, you know, the Easter season, as, as, as we're approaching Easter season, the Easter service next week, God has compelled me to just spend this last week and this week here uh, talking about the events that occurred right before the resurrection. And, you know, the, the church as a whole, we get excited about the resurrection, as we should. That's a, that's a glorious time. The, the Bible says because, because he lives, we live. The, the Jesus conquered death for us. So Easter is a glorious time of celebration, but it's imperative for us as believers to go back and to look at the events that took place right prior to the resurrection, that we might understand and celebrate what it was that Christ has done for us. So last week I shared that, you know, Christians, if we're going to elevate anybody, we should be elevating the name of Jesus Christ. You know, if we're going to brag about anybody, I'm going to brag about the name of Jesus. You know, like I said, it's not wrong to to, to give men their, their due for things that they've accomplished but I believe as Christians, the first person you should be bragging about is Jesus. That's, that's, that, that's the one that you should be speaking of the highest and, and shouting the praise the most. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, I shared this last week, is as if people want to brag, they should brag only about the Lord. The Bible says it's okay to boast, but if you're going to boast, boast in Jesus. Because he's the one that deserves all the bragging and all the, all the glory and, and, and all the honor. Amen? Yes. So Jesus is the greatest who's, who, who has ever lived. And the events that led to the resurrection give us a picture of his passion and his, and his restraint, his humility, and his resolve. And in last week in Matthew chapter 26, um, we, we saw where Jesus was betrayed, he was arrested, and he was deserted in a matter of minutes. And just a matter of minutes, those, those three things took place. And just want to kind of recap last week's message. I know Judas, one of the 12, one of his 12 disciples, the Bible says that Judas betrayed Jesus. One of the 12, one of the elite, one of the 12 men that we, we hold in high esteem as, as Christians, the Bible says one of the men that Jesus chose to be his disciple betrayed him. And then Jesus was arrested, the Bible says. Um, however, if you contemplate the phrase, the, that phrase, that Jesus was arrested, you will discover that it's impossible for men to arrest the Son of God. If you think about that, that, that Jesus was God in the flesh, the Bible says, the, the creator of the heavens, the creator of the earth, creator of things that are seen and things that are unseen. He's standing there on the earth, and the Bible says that Jesus was arrested. Jesus wasn't, Jesus could not be arrested unless he willingly surrendered himself and allowed himself to be arrested. And Jesus told, told remember, the Bible says Peter pulled out his sword and was, was going to start defending Jesus and cut off the ear of one of the soldiers, the Bible says. And what did Jesus tell? Peter said, put, put back your sword. Don't, don't you know I could call 12 legions of angels and God would have them at my disposal immediately. In other words, Jesus... I believe, uh, showed tremendous restraint and humility and self-control to be the son of God, yet allow himself to be arrested and to humble himself in such a way. And then the Bible says Christ was deserted. The, the, the Bible says all the disciples deserted him, and, um, and, and he was rejected. And if you think about it, I said this last week, Jesus was rejected from the moment he hit, from the moment he came to the earth. The Bible says even his own people, the Jews, the the Israel, the Israelites, they, they rejected him. He came into his own, but his own received him not, the Bible says. People are rejecting Jesus today. They're rejecting the message of the cross and the love that God has extended to them. He is still rejected today. But I believe all the things that Christ displayed that, that last week that he was on earth before the, before the crucifixion and the resurrection and his life, he, he demonstrated and displayed in my estimation he was the greatest man that's that's ever lived he is the greatest of all time there is no one greater than him but the life that Jesus lived is not meant only for us to read and to study we are called as Christians to become christ-like that, that's what a Christian is we they were first called Christians the bible says because they they, they, were, they were they they looked like Jesus they acted like Jesus they talk like Jesus, they were were followers of Christ. So we must learn from his actions that we might become like him in every way. That's the goal of Christianity, is to mimic and to follow and to become like Jesus Christ. It's not easy. It's, It's extremely difficult, but it's what we're called to do. Paul understood this when he wrote this in Philippians. He said, In this, so that I may know him, "'experientially, becoming more thoroughly acquainted with him, "'understanding the remarkable wonders of his person more completely, "'and in that same way experience the power of his resurrection "'which overflows and is active in believers, "'and that I may share the fellowship of his suffering "'by being continually conformed inwardly into his likeness "'even to his death, dying as he did.'" Paul understood that there was something to learn from Christ even in the way he died, that, that there was something about this man, this humility, this brokenness, this obedience, this, this resolution for him to go to the cross, that even in his death, Paul said, I want to learn more about who this man was. And I can tell you, for me, I want, know, I want to know that man. I, I want to know who this man was that would allow himself to suffer and to die, and to humble himself, and to become, the Bible says, a bondservant, to become a slave that you and I might be free. There's something to learn in the life and in the death of Jesus Christ. And Paul understood this, and I believe that's what God is calling us to do. So, in last week's message, we read the passage of when Christ was arrested, and I believe Jesus was teaching us what it meant to surrender and In today's message, we're going to look at the passage of the crucifixion, and I believe Jesus was teaching us what it means to become a sacrifice, what it it means to sacrifice. So Luke's gospel gives the most detailed account of the crucifixion and that it shares the most of what it was that Jesus Christ said when he was on the cross and right right before he went to the cross. And then John also shares something that Matthew and Mark doesn't share. So I'm going to look at the... uh, The passage that is there in um, in the in the Gospel of Luke, but it's important for us to also remember before the crucifixion, uh, Jesus was extremely uh, beaten. He was tortured. The Bible says he was flogged, and um, I don't know. I've asked this before, but Mel Gibson's film, The Passion of the Christ, I, I hope everybody in here has seen that film. If you haven't seen the film, you need to go. You need to see the film. He he did an excellent job, I believe, of portraying what it was that Christ suffered and what he went through um, during the crucifixion and the flogging. But, but the Bible says Christ was, he was flogged, and, and it was a whip that was made that had, that had metal and, and sharp, sharp instruments and sharp pieces tied to the whip. And the Bible says the whip went, went to Christ, and when it, when it went, it tore into his flesh, and it pulled the flesh away from Jesus. So these things happened prior to him being nailed or crucified to a cross, and if you read the details when he was arrested, they brought him into the high priest's home they they, they did a mock trial, they tried to get people to come and, and accuse him and the Bible says that everybody that came to accuse Jesus, what did they do? They contradicted themselves they, they couldn't get the story straight because they were making everything up. No, none, none of these things were true. there was nothing that Jesus did that deserved that deserved death. so it's important for us to go back and look at what happened to, that Jesus was spit upon, he was slapped, he was beaten, he was mocked. All of these things took place before, before, the, before the crucifixion. But this is the account here of the crucifixion in Luke 23. It says, As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the childless women, the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, Cover us. For if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And And they divided up his clothes by casting lots, The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there heard insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you were under the same sentence. We are punished just, just, justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise, and you know, what a remarkable passage there, and the way Luke really goes into detail of what, what happened there, but, but the words of this passage, again, they, they were really illustrated in that film that Mel Gibson did, and he, and, and he did the best job I think anyone has ever done of trying to reenact or recreate what it was that Christ, that Christ suffered, but this passage cannot be merely glanced at. I believe it must be read slowly to understand deeply the cruel way in which Jesus was punished for no crime. It's it's important for us to study this and see this. Um, And when I was studying this passage, I came across this commentary, which I thought was was eye-opening. It says, The crucifixion of Jesus Christ is both the most shocking event and the most wonderful event of human history. It is the most shocking event and that it, it is the creature murdering the creator. It is the most wonderful event, and that it is the creator saving the creature. And that, that is so powerful. I thought that was so, so accurate. And, um, but Jesus is the greatest of all time. There's no one greater than him. That, that, that's what the church should be speaking about, the, the name of Jesus, the, everything that Jesus is and who he stood for and what he's done um, But we're going to look at three things in this passage here that I believe are revealed. It was the love of Jesus, the forgiveness of Jesus, and the salvation of Jesus. And um, I'm going to read from John um, chapter 19, because John is the only one who shares this uh, particular wording here that Jesus shared from, um, uh, from the cross. It says, Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here is your son, and to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. So the first thing we see when we see Jesus on the cross is no one loves you like Jesus does. No one loves you like Jesus does. As Jesus hung on the cross, one must ask himself, what was it that kept him there? What, what was it that compelled him to not just go to the cross, but to remain on the cross, to remain humiliated, to, to, to allow himself to be tortured, allow himself to, to die in such a way? It was his love. It was the love of Christ that compelled him to stand there. And it was a love that was so strong that it was given with no expectation that it would that we would return love back to him, it, it was an agape love. In other words, it was a it was a love that, that 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 was given that with with no expect of love coming back. But here John records these words of Jesus. That and think think about this now. Jesus is on the cross, he's he's hanging on the cross. He was nailed to a cross. the 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 spikes went through his hands. They went through his feet. And Jesus is on a cross and and, and again, you got to see the film to understand. But it was the most excruciating death anyone could ever could ever suffer, and it was it was done in such a way where where it was impossible to breathe. You you, you basically died of suffocation. You it was it was impossible to exhale and to, to just to just breathe. And Christ is laying here, and the Bible says that he's showing concern for his mother. In other words, he he is he is he is, he is showing, showing concern for his mother. And as he's laying there, he's, he's, he's making a preparation for a way for her to be taken care of after he is gone. That's a love we'll never know. That, that and He wasn't there complaining. He wasn't bitter. He wasn't angry. He, wasn't, he, was, he was just pouring out love as he, as he hung there and as, as he was suffering. Jesus' care of his mother, his thoughts were on others, not, not upon himself. Everything that Jesus did was for us. I said that last week. That, that's what makes the, the gospel story and the, and the crucifixion so remarkable. Everything that Jesus did was for you and I. He didn't have to save himself. Jesus was without sin. He was, Jesus was free. He was free of guilt. He, he, he had no sin, the Bible says. Everything Jesus did, he did for you. And he did for me. That's amazing. That's a love love that I don't think any of us can can understand or we can comprehend. The Bible says in John 15, this is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. No one has greater love, no one has shown stronger affection than to lay down to give up his own life for his friends. Jesus didn't just teach love and speak love. Jesus demonstrated love by what he did. He became a sacrifice. He, he died for us. He gave his life up for you and I. That, that's a love we can't comprehend. But it's a love I want to know. It's a love I want to understand. See, in Jesus, and if, you, if you look at, at the world we live in today, Satan has done a good job in deceiving people into thinking that God has sent Jesus to condemn them. That could not be farther from the truth. Jesus, Jesus didn't come to condemn us, the Bible says. The Bible says he came to save us. For God so loved the world, he gave us one and only son, the Bible says, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his, world, his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through his son the world might be saved. That's the message that we have. So, so the church needs to go with the message of love that they are not condemned. Yes, we're messed up. We've, we've made mistakes. We've, we, we, we've done things the wrong way. But God holds out his salvation, and that's the message that the church has, that God has come to save and God has come to love. What a message. What, what, a, what a message that God has given the church, that God has not come to condemn them. See, the crucifixion is a symbol of the greatest love that man could ever experience. If you want to show what someone's loved, the cross is the symbol of love. That's a picture of perfect, pure love in the purest, purest sense. That Jesus is willing to stand in our place that you and I might be made right before God. And that's the message of the church. And God says because he has loved us, what are we to do? We are to love one another. That's what God has called the church to do. And that, that Jesus is the healer. He's the, he's the uniter. We, we become one in Christ. That's where the division lines are broken down with race and religion and all these different things. Jesus is the great uniter. That's the message for our nation and for the world. It's Jesus. Jesus is the healer. He's the lover of our souls. Amen? Amen. The Bible says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are. See, that's what you should be bragging about. If you want to boast about somebody, let's boast about Jesus. He, he died, and, and I'm not just like made, made okay. I'm a son of God. We're sons and daughters of God. We're children of God, the Bible says, because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. That's something worth bragging about. That, that's something worth shouting about. That, that's something worth getting excited about. Is what Jesus Christ has done for us. And then in Luke 23, it says, When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others, let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The next thing we see here is no one shows mercy like Jesus does. No one shows mercy like Jesus does. They, they crucified him, the Bible says. They, they put the nails in his hands. They drove the nail in his feet. They, they, they crucified him on a cross, and Jesus is hanging in agony, unable to breathe, in pain and suffering that you and I cannot imagine. Yet even in that moment, dying a sinless man with the power to remove himself and annihilate all who were perpetrating this crime upon him, he remained unmoved, no bitter and no anger, and he was pouring out his love even on the cross. And what was Jesus saying to those who were placing the nails in his hands? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they were doing. Imagine this, that Jesus is hanging there. These men have placed these nails, they've done these things to him. He deserved none of this. Yet the Bible says he's even in that moment, forgiveness is coming out of Jesus' mouth. Father, forgive them. That's, that, 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 that's unimaginable. We, we can't even imagine that that w- w- what Jesus was doing in that moment, there's no one greater than this man. On the cross, Jesus was showing mercy. There as he hung, he pleaded, he pleaded for forgiveness. And think about this. the, the day that Jesus died. The whole world stood guilty. You and I were guilty the day that Jesus hung on the cross. The Bible says that all of us have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. Every single man and woman that has ever been born and will be born, the Bible says, has been separated from God. We stand guilty before God. It is as if God has a courtroom scene that is set up, and we are on trial, and our sentence is guilty. And you guess what the death penalty is? It's eternal death. It's eternal separation from God. We have no hope to save ourselves. No good in us. The Bible says, "There's none righteous, no not one." The day Jesus died, that was man's condition. We stood. We stood guilty in court. But guess what? Jesus did. He stood up and said, "I'll be your advocate. I'll be the one to die in your place. I'll stand in your stead, and I'll die for you." Jesus became. Our advocate, he became our stead. He died in our place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The the whole world was guilty, but there was an advocate. There, There was someone that was willing to say, I'll stand up. Though I was without sin, I'm perfect in every way, and I'll die in your place that you might be forgiven. That makes him the greatest man of all time, that Jesus was willing to do it for the whole world. Even knowing that we would reject him, the Bible says, Jesus was still willing to stand in our place. That's why we sing the song, Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Why was he worthy? Because there's no one else that could have satisfied God's requirement for the payment of sin. It had to be a sinless sacrifice. Only Jesus, only Jesus could satisfy that requirement. And he did it. Amen, he did it. The one sacrifice, the only Son of God. The Bible says He was willing to die, and there, as He hung on the cross, was a picture of mercy. Mercy is being poured out. Grace is being poured out. Love is being poured out from the cross. That's what Jesus was speaking as He hung there on the cross for you and I. Look what Romans says. It says now it is extraordinary. It is an extraordinary thing for one to willingly give his life even for an upright man, though perhaps for a good man, one who is noble and selfless and worth, selfless and worthy. Someone might even dare to die. But God clearly shows and proves his own love for us by the fact that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Therefore, since we have now been justified, declared free of the guilt of sin by his blood, how much more certain is it that we will be saved from the wrath of God through him. I love what, what Romans says there. There would somebody even die for someone who was a good person, someone who was noble, someone who was righteous. There was, would someone even die. But would someone die for someone who was a sinner, who was unworthy, who was like we were? Would someone die? Christ died for us, the Bible says, why we were in our sinful condition, while we, were in, while we were in our sinful state. That's the mercy of God. That's the grace of God just being, being poured out from the cross of Calvary. And then look what Jesus says in Luke 23, 39. It says, One of the criminals who hung there in, uh, hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you were under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. And the next thing we see here on the cross is no one saves like Jesus does. No one saves like Jesus does. Again, look at Jesus is on the cross. He's hanging in the middle of these two criminals. And these men, they deserved what they were getting. Whatever their crime was, that was their... They're just punishment. And Christ is, is, is crucified in the center of both of these men. And even in that moment, the Bible says Jesus is pouring out salvation. He, he is saving even as he's hanging on the cross. The Bible says he is, he, salvation is going out. That's, that's a mighty man. That's a man we want to become like. That, that's, that's, a, that's a person I want to mimic. That, that's someone like Paul said I want to know I want to know this man. I want to become like this man. That's, that's a love we can never understand, that as Jesus was hanging on the cross, even there, the Bible says, salvation salvation w- w- was being poured out. So we're going to celebrate Easter next week, but we've got we to gotta remember the crucifixion. You've got you to gotta remember the price that it was that Christ paid the agony, the suffering that Jesus was willing to suffer that you and I might be saved. And that's a message that God has given this church. That that's our message for St. Tammany Parish. That that yes there there are sinners, yes, people have made mistakes, but God has come to free them and to love them and to forgive them and to shower his mercy and his forgiveness and his grace. Isn't that something we should all want to share? I want to share that word. I, I want Jesus, show me someone, make someone cross my path. You know, give me a divine appointment, God, that I can share what this man has done for them. That, and I said this last week, Jesus knew that when he, when he was going to suffer and die on the cross, that he was going to be rejected. Yet he did it anyway, the Bible says. He was still willing to die, though only a few, the Bible says, would, would find their way. Christ was still willing to hang and to suffer and to die for the sins of the whole world. That's a message. That's the message of our church. You know, we we, we want people to come to church, but we want people to come to Jesus. We want them to find the love of Jesus. We, we want them to know Jesus like we know him. So, God, during this Easter season, I pray that that God arouses our spirits, that He wakes us up inside of our hearts and gives us a a passion, a compassion and a passion to go and to spread the good news, to spread the love, the mercy, the salvation of God. That this cross, see, the the cross is still speaking today. Yes, it was over 2,000 years ago, but the message is still, it's it's, it's, it's for today. People need Jesus today. People need the Lord. They need to know the salvation of Jesus Christ and that That's what God has given the church. So Jesus is the greatest of all time because he secured my salvation. My eternal life is found in Jesus Christ. So that's why we shout the name of Jesus. We shout. That's what I said last week. We, You know, this this church worship because we worship a certain way because we're the tabernacle church. We worship God because of who he is and what he's done for us. It's not, well, how did, why does your church, or how does your church worship? No, I'm excited about what Jesus has done for me. I'm going to raise my hands. I'm going to clap my hands. I'm going to shout. I'm going to dance. I'm going to jump. I'm going to do all this. Why? Because God is worthy. He's worthy. And, and there, should be a, there should be a shout inside your spirit. There, be, if God has resurrected your spirit, if the Holy Spirit has invaded you and has, has indwelled within you, then there should be something inside of you that wants to glorify God. And if there's not, we need to ask God, why? Why, why is it there, God? I, and like Paul said, ask the Lord, I want to know you, Lord. I want to know this man that, that was willing to suffer, that was willing to die. Amen? God is so good to us. The crucifixion, and I, I, I can't tell you how many people, when they, they saw Mel Gibson's film, and these people who were in church, they were Christians, they said, I never knew that that's what a crucifixion was. They read the passage, just like we read the passage, and just three or four words, what does, it say? what does it say? They crucified him. And then we just keep reading. Well, no, they crucified him on a cross. They nailed him to a cross, and when people saw that, they, they were blown away, and the, the flogging and the beating and everything. And really, I don't think he, he could depict... The Bible says that Jesus was so disfigured that he was beyond human recognition. He didn't even look like a man. And and, and we, we can't comprehend that. But it was because of God's love. The Bible says for God so loved the world. That's what God has done for us. So there should be excitement, there should be enthusiasm that just as I said at the beginning, what is man? God, why do you even care about me? I'm a wreck. I'm a mess. <laughs> I'm imperfect. I'm flesh and blood. What is man that you are mindful of him? God showed us how much he loves us by sending Christ to die on the cross for us. Amen. Praise God. You can stand to your feet, please.